Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring CuriosityStream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. I think I've mentioned a couple times before that I'm a huge fan of Wild West movies. This is probably why I'm so fascinated by the stagecoach. My daydreams about this gorgeous carriage usually involve steering it, sitting inside of it and being driven around, or even riding on top of its roof like the Laughing Cowboy. I really am a bit nervous of him about that. Ever since I first saw the stagecoach, I just wanted to ride it so badly, being it only once. Well, it seems this dream of mine has finally become sweet, sweet reality today, and I paid the price for it all right. My chest and stomach hurt like hell, but it was worth it. Let me explain. Before getting on my way to work today, I went down to the small convenience store on my street to purchase a few things I would need that same day. The store is tiny and run by a grumpy, chubby, older dude with a gray beard who always wears a Panama hat. It has this musty, stale feel to it, but I sort of like it. Plus, the clerk and I like to joke around sometimes. I think he was even rather happy to see me today, since I can hardly imagine he's been getting a lot of customers lately. I was the only one in the store, except for the owner, of course. I collected a few candy bars from the shelves and carried them over to the cash register. I then proceeded to inspect the array of cigarettes and other tobacco products lined up in front of the clerk before picking out a colorful metal box of chewing tobacco and adding it to my pile of junk food. The clerk looked me up and down with mild surprise. Usually the only thing you buy here are protein bars and soda, he remarked. They say the only constant is change, I replied. The bearded man grunted amusedly before beginning to ring up my purchases. When he reached the box of chewing tobacco, he held it up to study it. Getting a little something for your man, huh? he presumed. Way off. I want it for myself. I can't get enough of it, I said jokingly, and the clerk chuckled and shook his head. When he had bagged all of my items, I went back to my apartment to get my whip and remaining necessities before stopping by at my neighbor's place to ask for some more laurel. I have decided to keep experimenting with it. I set out for the park with one clear goal in mind, to talk to Nathan. I felt a bit like a stalker the way I snuck up to the entrance sign of Twinvale Point after tending to the sock puppet at six in the morning. I could hear the sounds of the oncoming carriage in the distance. I waited by the town entrance for the horses to come into sight. As soon as they did, I began waving at Nathan, who was sitting in his coach seat as always. I swear I could see him roll his eyes, even from half a mile away. The coachman sure wasn't happy to see me. That didn't stop me, though. I ran up to him and came to a halt right in front of the horses, forcing him to stop so as to not run me over. I smiled at him and made my way over to where he was sitting. Hi, I said. Hello, he said dryly. Are you a little more willing to talk to me now by any chance? I asked. Nathan leaned over to me, the smell of his blanket instantly penetrating my nostrils. Look at my face and tell me yourself, he growled. You look like you wish you hadn't stopped the stagecoach just now, I remarked. 
Nathan grimaced. Wow. Here I was thinking you had no self-awareness. I didn't know you were simply ignoring it. You sound a bit like Dale, I commented. Nathan's reaction to my manager's name was instantaneous. His expression darkened, and for a second, I thought his face might scrunch up like that of a baby, and he would start to cry. Instead, he just swallowed audibly before cracking the reins and shouting at his horses to start moving again. I sighed and sat down by the entrance. He drives around in circles, so I knew he'd have to come by again eventually. I found myself wishing for company. Maybe Darius or Mitchell would come by soon. Or better yet, one of the other girls. It had been a while since the last time I had privately talked to Anne or Maxine. I sat and waited for about fifteen minutes before the sound of horseshoes clacking guided me out of my thoughts. I stood up and casually walked up to the approaching stagecoach. Nathan looked even more annoyed to see me this time. Would some chocolate change your mind? I brought some junk food from home, I called out to him, shrugging the backpack I was wearing off my shoulders. You've got to be hungry, right? Nathan groaned. Damn, you're persistent. I nodded. Nathan puffed. Leave me alone. I mean it. No clue what you want to know, but I probably won't be able to tell you. Let's try it then. Come on, please, I begged. But Nathan just shook his head and set the carriage into motion again. Another round of waiting until once again the carriage came rolling up to me. I rose to my feet. This time, Nathan stopped the stagecoach right next to where I was standing. He stared at me calculatingly for a moment before nodding at the empty space beside him on the coach seat. Hop on, he ordered curtly. You mean it? Nathan rolled his eyes and nodded. Quick, before I change my mind. He didn't have to tell me twice. I climbed onto the stagecoach and sat down next to him. I'd hold onto my seat if I were you, Nathan told me before cracking the reins and shouting, Giddy up. The horses neighed and began trotting off. The carriage bucketed jerkily over the sandy, bumpy ground. I could hardly believe it. I was actually on the stagecoach, and it felt awesome. So, what about the sudden change of heart? I inquired, trying hard to keep my cool. You would have just kept waiting anyways. Best to just get it over with, Nathan explained. Also, this is what you've always wanted, isn't it? Don't pretend. I see you watch the carriage all day, you know. I let out a flustered chuckle. True, I guess I'm a bit of a fan. For a split second I thought I could see a smile appear and quickly vanish again on the coachman's face. It's not that great when you're the one driving it, he muttered with downcast eyes before looking up at me again. So, what do you know? Swallowing down my apprehension, I began. I know for sure that this park is family run. I also know that something really messed up is happening to you and I want to help. Then there's some stuff I believe I know, but am not fully certain about. What would that be? Nathan sounded calm, but stern. I had a conversation with Dale yesterday. He was very much intoxicated. He didn't make a lot of sense, so I had to piece together what little snippets he gave me. I took a deep breath. I think you and Dale used to be quite fond of one another. But then for some reason, he gave you the task of driving the stagecoach. I believe you're turning into a non-actor, or rather, becoming one with this one here. Nathan leaned back in his seat and pulled the smelly blanket closer around his shoulders. That last part, it's true. All of it. But I don't know any more either. You don't? 
I was a bit taken aback. He sounded like he was telling the truth, but I had somehow expected him to have way more insight. Will you still tell me what you know? Not sure if it'll be of much help. Nathan regarded me with a sad smile. I insist, I said sternly. It will help. I'm sure of it. The coachman's grip on the horse's reins tightened, and he let out a soft sigh. You said you had candy? I nodded and opened my backpack, pulling out a chocolate bar at random. I unwrapped it before handing it to him. The young man took a large bite out of it and began chewing. His expression softened. Thanks. I didn't have anything sweet since... I don't know, to be honest. It's been that long since I last got off the stagecoach. I don't really need to eat it all anymore. Still nice having something that tastes good, though. I felt myself becoming excited in light of what I was about to hear, but decided not to interrupt him. Better let him take his time. Dale and I first met in high school, but we were just friends then. Later, years after both of us had graduated, we reconnected and decided to get some coffee together. We hit it off right away, and that's kind of how we became a thing. He was fascinating to me. He was always so emotional and contemplative. He was a bit of a mystery, too. So sweet, though. Really, really caring and sweet. I'd never felt safer with anyone else before. Dale truly cared about me. He never made a big deal about it, either. It was just natural for him to be there for me whenever I needed him. He had just taken over his dad's job as park manager, and I was unemployed. So he got me a job as a waiter here at the park. It might seem weird to you that my boss was my boyfriend as well, but it was all pretty great. We were happy during that time. Like, really happy. Until one day he waited for me outside the restaurant I worked at after closing hours. He had tears in his eyes. He tried to hide it, but he looked incredibly sad. I asked him what was wrong. But he told me it was nothing and that he needed to tell me I was going to do another job at the park from now on. He said I was going to be an actor. I asked him why and he told me he had gotten instructions to have me change jobs and that he had to follow them. See, I didn't know why he was so sad. I mean, it was strange, sure, but I didn't get why he was crying. He asked me to drop the subject and we went home. Back then I used to live with him, you know. Even at home he was acting all strange and depressed. And I didn't know what had gotten into him. I was worried sick. Anyways, I had promised to drop it, so I didn't dare to ask any further questions. Instead, I did my best to take care of him. Dale's always been so sensitive. I remember telling him that whatever he was feeling so down about, we would work it out together, and that he could count on me. His response? I remember like it was yesterday. He told me he knew and that that was why he was so sorry. He kept begging me for forgiveness. It was beyond confusing. The next day he led me to the stagecoach. I had seen it around before. It used to have another coachman, but he was gone all of a sudden. Never saw him around again, by the way. Dale told me he had quit, but I have my doubts. He said that I would be the new coachman, and when I told him I had never driven a carriage before, he simply said I'd learn it by myself in no time. He was right about that, by the way. Then he just suddenly pulled out a bottle of Coke and handed it to me. He told me he had gotten for me as a refreshment, so naturally, I thanked him and started drinking it. The moment I took the first swig from it, though, Dale started to weep. Like, really horrible, 
heartbreaking crying. I instantly attempted to comfort him. He was completely inconsolable, though. We sat down on the coach seat together, and I hugged him while he cried. I finished up the soda a few minutes later. I remember thinking it tasted weird. When Dale noticed I had emptied it, he took the bottle and stared at it for a while. I'm so terribly sorry, he'd whispered. I was still taken aback, but I told him I loved him, and then he kissed me, and that was... That was the last time we ever talked. It didn't occur to me he had poisoned me until later. I trusted him. I would have trusted him with my life. So when I started convulsing and everything began to spin around me, I was still like, it can't be, it can't be. He'd never hurt me. I had to face it, though, when I found myself unable to leave the seat of the carriage. I would instantly start to feel sick again whenever I did. At first, I was still able to leave for the bathroom and to eat from time to time, but I felt it getting harder and harder day by day, as if it was slowly progressing. From the very first day, I found myself unable to leave the park. After two years, I wasn't able to leave Twinvale Point, and then, three years ago, shortly before you started working here, I noticed that I wasn't getting thirsty or hungry anymore. From then on, every time I got off the stagecoach for any reason, then to mind the horses or the carriage in any way, it started to hurt. It hurt so, so much that I just... stopped. Nathan looked up at me with tear-filled eyes. I don't know why Dale did this to me. I'm sure he didn't want to. Someone forced him to do it. But I don't know who, or how, or why, or... His voice trailed off. That's all I know. I've tried making sense of all this more times than I can count, but it doesn't matter anymore. It does matter. I'll get you out of here, I promised. I've been working on figuring out a bunch of stuff. Once I've gotten it all together, I'll know a way to help you. Just hang in there, okay? Nathan smiled softly and shook his head. No, I appreciate it, but it's too late for me. His voice had grown very quiet all of a sudden as he said, I'm never leaving here. I opened my mouth to protest, but he shushed me. I mean it, he whispered. The horses came to an easy halt, and the coachman lowered the reins, pinning them between his knees as his hands reached up to slowly remove the smelly blanket draped around his shoulders. The shirt he was wearing underneath was old, stained and wrinkly. He moved his hands up to unbutton it, revealing his chest. At first, I thought his skin looked like it had suffered a severe sunburn, but the closer I inspected it, the more I realized that amongst the innumerable large blisters, parts of it were overlapping, as if they had molten into each other. It looked grotesque and strange, but above all else, extremely painful. When did this happen? I muttered. It spreads every time I get off the stagecoach, he explained as he buttoned up his shirt and once again wrapped the blanket around himself. I imagined the secretions from the blisters popping, trickling into its fabric, and couldn't help but gag slightly. There has to be some way of stopping it, I professed, feeling a hint of desperation in my own voice. I don't think there is, Nathan replied, as he picked up the reins again. You know, he confessed as the carriage set into motion again. I didn't think I would, but I enjoyed talking to you. It's been a while. I've just lost track of everything over time. As I said, 
don't even feel things like thirst or hunger anymore. In fact, I kind of feel numb. I think that it's part of whatever transformation I'm undergoing here, to stop caring. I've come to terms with it. I didn't know what else to say, so I kept quiet for a little while before asking, were Dale's parents against the relationship? It could have been them who forced him to, you know? Nathan pondered for a few seconds before shaking his head. I don't think so. If they did, they were never open about it. I only met them on very few occasions, though, so I'm not sure. Where'd you get the blanket, though? I don't know. It was just lying next to me one morning when I woke up. Maybe Dale gave it to me. Any idea what could have been in that soda, maybe? No clue. I told you I don't know much at all about the park. I only know what's happening to me, but that's already it. After a short pause, he added, Would you like to keep me company some more? Of course I said yes. After we talked some more about unrelated things, Nathan decided to entertain us by having the horses speed up a little, then a little more, and then a lot, until we were basically flying over the streets of Twinvale Point. We were both losing ourselves, and I was laughing like crazy. It was insanely fun. You'd never believe how fast this carriage could actually go. I felt a cool wind hit my face and tousle my hair. As I was saying, I was enjoying myself, until I found myself unable to hold on to my seat anymore. At first, Nathan offered me his arm as a means of support, but I had to let go of it soon since it was hindering him in steering the carriage. I felt myself steadily slipping off to the side, and I called out to Nathan to slow down, but by the time the horses had taken on a safe pace again, I had already fallen off. My contact with the dirty ground was more than painful. I had landed flat on my stomach and continued to slide across the street a couple of inches. Just enough for road pebbles to pierce my shirt and scrape my skin. The impact left a nasty graze on my chin, and I later found that there were large bruises along my collarbone, as well as around my hips and belly. Are you okay? I heard Nathan shout, but his voice lost itself in the distance as the horses continued to carry him off. I'm fine, I yelled back, hoping he would hear me. I didn't want him to turn back and get off the stagecoach, knowing what I knew now. It took me some effort to push myself up from the ground. Groaning and aching, I managed to rise to a sitting position, only to stop and pull up my shirt a little to inspect the burning scratches on my skin. Suddenly a hand appeared in front of my face, I looked up to find the laughing cowboy towering over me. I quickly straightened out my shirt and grabbed his hand so he could pull me to my feet. Hey, just who I was looking for, I uttered, my voice still a bit agonized from the fall. Say, how come you're always around whenever I need assistance? The question was rhetorical, of course. The cowboy didn't respond. He just smiled and lifted his hat to me before turning around and beginning to walk off. Wait a second. He halted, allowing me to catch up to him with faltering steps. I took off my backpack and began to rummage around inside, until I produced the slim metal box of tobacco. I don't know if you like this kind of thing, but I didn't really know what else to get you. I just wanted to give you a, a little something as thanks for being so nice to me. You helped my clumsy ass out so many times that I've stopped counting already. I held the box out to him and he carefully took it from my hands a pensive look on his face. 
He eyed it in what looked to be disbelief for a few seconds before tucking it away in one of his pockets. I smiled. We continued to stare at one another, and I found myself unsure of what to say. I watched the black saliva trickle from the corner of his mouth. It was almost hypnotic. I finally remembered something. Reaching into my backpack, I took out the new laurel twig and held it out for him to see. Do you know what this is? I asked. His eyes widened, and without a warning, he raised his hand and smacked the twig out of my grasp. I watched it sail through the air and hit the ground. The cowboy turned back to me, flashed his typical wide smile, before lifting his hat once again and walking off. I was starting to think the pretenders really dislike Laurel for some reason. Maybe I should have showed the twig to Nathan too, but after my tumble, I only wanted to get back home. I already mentioned that my whole upper body still hurts quite a lot, which is also the reason I won't go to the park tomorrow. I have tasked Darius with feeding the sock puppet, so I can take the day off to recover. I'll still take the time to at least recount one or two of my older job experiences while my investigations are on hold for a bit. I'm not entirely sure what to make of my exchange with Nathan. I feel so deeply sorry for him. He may have given up already, but maybe there still is a way to help him after all. Now I hope you'll excuse me for I need to go get a fresh cold pack for my chin and shoulder. As I said, it hurts like hell, but the ride on the stagecoach was totally worth it.